So once again, welcome to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, we are back now with our latest preview show. So our preview show is always about going through the uh, latest previews catalogs. It's going picking out the best of what we think there is coming out in the future. With the way the world is at the moment, we're not sure the exact release dates for this one, but this is the April previews book. Um, originally scheduled for June, but we would imagine with the industry being what it is and the world being the way it is right now, these will be a little later in the year, but we still want to guide you guys through them and, and show that there is plenty to look forward to uh, in the coming months. So uh, your host is always Alan. I'm joined by Vicky, as well as Mr. Miller, Keith here, and Mr. McCants. Hello, Roddy here. How is everyone handling quarantine? Roddy. Uh, for me, I'm probably not as in quarantine as much as everyone else, obviously. Uh, I am, well, up until last Friday, I was still going to work. I've got a week off now, so that's that's going to be good. I'm going to make the most of that and catch up on a lot of things. Uh, maybe a bit of spring cleaning as well as catching up on a lot of reading and television shows and all that sort of stuff. Um, over Easter, just sort of being exercising, being getting out on the bike and doing a lot of running, um, but also counteracting all that with a lot of drinking. So, yeah. <laughs> Perfectly balanced yeah, as all things should be. Yeah. It's kind of a weird one because um, with all the stuff that's going on, um, it's heartbreaking, like, but almost um, we're just trying to, be positive here and just try and make the most of it. It's almost reminding me of um, like those summers when you're like 12 or 13 and you couldn't really, uh, I don't know about anyone else, but I live in the country, so I couldn't really do anything. So for me, it was an awful lot of cycling with my brother and that sort of thing. And being outside, we're so, so lucky to live in the country because we've got, we've got a good bit of space here, you know, and, but I've never seen so many people out on my road. So <laughs> It's a bit interesting. But yeah, what about you guys? Uh, well, for Vicky and I, I mean, we're busy working away just on the behind the scenes for the store, as we've chatted about before. We're busy getting all of our stock into CLZ. We were able to nip down to the store for an hour last week, um, obviously being as responsible as possible. There weren't a lot of people around. Smithfield was completely empty. So it was literally just myself and Vicky and the security guard. And of course, my father had to turn up because he had to put some brackets on the wall because um, my dad just can't sit still. But um, no, we were able to get a lot of comic boxes, drop back to the store and then bring a lot home. Um, but again, just doing it in, a, in an environment where no one else was around. And then we've been working through those. We're as far as F now. So we're we're getting through them rightly while watching a lot of television yeah, and a lot of sore backs. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. there's been a lot of heavy lifting. We would like to say we've been exercising a lot intentionally, but it seems to have been unintentionally just with lifting comic boxes all around again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> every time we think we've got everything down to the store, it all comes back home. But no, we're uh, similar to Roddy. I mean, this is obviously the situation is, is horrible and, you know, unprecedented, but we're just trying to you know make the most of it i suppose is is the way to put it and just make sure we come back stronger at the other side so um how about yourself keith yeah uh, i'm not too bad had a lovely easter there I was off for four days but um other than that my weeks are still fairly full with uh with work um 
it's just it's, it's just really busy um with this fund that we had this hardship fund that we had launched for musicians and a variety of other things and just trying to to, to help the, the the music industry adapt to uh to the the changing situation that coronavirus is is thrown up so um yeah it's been pretty uh it's been pretty full on but it's nice to be working for for a charity you know for a for a place that sort of is, is standing up whenever a lot of other places are, are having to sit down by necessity you know so it's uh it's definitely empowering in that respect but i've got plenty going on um i've got a couple of uh of uh online role-playing games going on with old buddies i have my first uh virtual pub experience there on sunday night uh with a bunch of old friends which was nice um it was almost like it just it went exactly the same way as one of our parties used to go whenever we were together uh you know with you know everybody effectively coming down to the last drink and the in each of their relative cupboards and going oh that's been in there for 10 years i better drink that now <laughs> so, so that was kind of kind of fun um i have uh been reading uh been reading some 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 of my my older books uh, my older comics and stuff so and uh yeah just it's, it's been really good uh, i've been playing uh, no man's sky on the playstation they just released an exciting new update uh so i've been uh, i've been i've been sinking some hours into that and uh getting out for getting out for walks and uh, and so forth and so on so yeah i'm complaining i'm complaining i think i've adapted pretty well we we actually went for our first ride on our bikes today since all this has happened. So it's been about three or four weeks since um, we haven't been on on the bikes, and I didn't realise how unfit I was until I had to go off a bit of a hill and I had to get off the bike. It was it was a sad sight wow. to see. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> we looked at that uphill just I think with fear and trepidation. I thought, uh, yeah. And it was it was a gentle slope to be honest, but. Uh, uh, I think we need to get back to the exercise inside of things a little more, but uh, no, it's uh, it's just we're trying to stay indoors as much as possible and be responsible as much as possible. So, yeah, you know, the fitness has to suffer a little bit, you know, sounds like I'm making an excuse just to turn into a fact, but uh, <laughs> that's definitely not the case. Definitely not the case. Yeah, I think I think if someone comes up, you know, with the idea that for a gym with a, an alcohol rehabilitation center attached, I think they'll be landed after the over. <laughs> Business 101 with Keith Miller. Yes, right there. absolutely. You know, that, that one's free. Oh, yes. Well, we'll look forward to seeing which one of our listeners runs with that. We'll put it near Coffee and Heroes. <laughs> we'll, all, we'll take over Smithfield one unit at a time. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of the business and stuff, I mean, we, uh, we get constant updates from Diamond, obviously. Diamond have had to send all their staff home, you know, in line with all non-essential services and so forth. So they're keeping us updated. They're obviously still not in a position to get staff in to organize and then release stock from the 25th, which is the last delivery they received from the U.S. Uh, so we're again, we're just taking it bit by bit. I'll, I'll always keep all of our customers and regulars and all people follow us on social media and so forth informed. So if we do hear any big news, we will certainly let everyone know. Again, I, I can only re-emphasize my point that I think it's just a case of the industry is, is on a sort of pause at the moment. And uh, once all this passes, if and when it passes, um, it'll just start up where, where it left off almost. Um, they, the one thing they have reassured us of is that there's not going to be just a massive dump of stock to stores because 
it's not fair on stores. It's not fair on customers. I mean, I've chatted with a couple of our different regulars, you know, just through texts and, and bits and pieces. And, you know, they were sort of asking about this. And my biggest fear would be someone comes back to the store for the first time after all this. And they're excited to come back and see us and support us and all the rest. And then I pull out like 120 comics for them and go, here you go. Uh, by the way, we've been closed for a few months, so I really need you to pick all this up today. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's not fair. In any, it's not fair in the store to ask that of someone. It's not fair to expect customers to do that. So they have assured us there won't just be this big, massive dump of stock that they will sort of, you know, ration it out bit by bit by bit. So... I personally just think it's a case of the the release dates will just change and that's it. And then it'll just go back to what it is, weekly releases, you know, sequentially following each other. So but uh we'll we'll wait and see again. It's it's all hypothetical. That's just my opinion at the moment. But uh I will always endeavor to keep you guys informed about, you know, what's coming up. Uh so the one thing that all of this has allowed certainly Vicky and I a little chance to do, and obviously we, we, we chat quite a bit between ourselves, you know, everyone's catching up on all the TV that they uh, that they always promised themselves they would watch but didn't have the time to watch. Uh, we were always late to the Netflix Marvel party, uh, and then we would, we would go through little fits and starts. We would watch sort of a series here, then take a break, then a series there, but... I think while we're organizing all the comics, it's a good show to have on at the time while we're doing that. So we just, uh, we're watching them in order. So the latest one we watched was Luke Cage season two, uh, which I have to say both seasons of Luke Cage, I think are two underrated gems. I, I think music, production value, the casting of it. Um, I would say the second half of season one is probably the weakest part of it all, but it's still very good. But that's just because Diamondback mm -hmm. for me wasn't as good as Cottonmouth as a villain. Um, uh, but the villain in season two may have just even went ahead of Cottonmouth. Mariah was just fantastic. Just uh, yeah. So uh, hateful. Alfred Alfred Woodard wasn't it? Yeah. Played Black Mariah. Um, yeah. Very very cool actress, cool character to play the actress. Cool actress to play the character. Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, I should I should preface this by saying spoilers, just in case you haven't seen it, you can skip forward a little bit. But there was one scene in particular which was just so ridiculously vicious, and it was where she was she had been put into prison, and two um two different girls who were on the payroll of a different mob boss ran out to her and started throwing gasoline over, and it they was thought the Jamaicans. <clears throat> you thought they were going to uh to burn her. And then three girls come to save her. And then she actually just turns on them all and just like slices the throat of one of them. And it's just like, this is my prison bitch, essentially. Uh, just just such a big over-the-top villain, which I really enjoy, but quite cerebral as well. So um, I know you were a big fan of this, Roddy, you were, you were saying. Yeah, I adored, I adored season two of it. Um, like yourself, I thought... Uh, season season one was it about seven episodes into it and uh, yeah Cottonmouth is basically off and you're just like it takes a real dip in quality not like a not like a really negative thing but you're just like oh this this isn't as good you know um, I thought sh Shades in particular and uh, Theo Rossi as Shades his character they all have like tremendous arcs throughout it even if he was something, you know, he, he was in season one, but he wasn't really, wasn't really used. And he has a great arc in season two. And uh, there's another, is Bushmaster. He's a yep. great, great villain too. Yep. 
And like you said about Mariah, fantastic. And even Luke Cage himself, he's certainly not a passenger in it. He's 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 almost transitioned to Harlem. I know maybe you weren't a fan of this, Alan, but Harlem itself has sort of twisted him a little bit towards the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I suppose the, the only niggle for me is in terms of how the season ended is not so much that I didn't like where they left it. It's just knowing that there will never be a season three because there's a lot of fertile ground to explore there with what they were going to yeah. do. I mean, Luke had essentially, for lack of a better term, sold out and allowed crime to thrive almost in Harlem as long as he could control it if that kind of makes sense and and I understand it's you know a sacrifice for the greater good and keeping the peace because they did establish it really well once Mariah went into jail Harlem was actually in worse shape when she was in jail like there was more riots there was more murders and all this kind of stuff but you just think of like look the whole way through it for me has always had a, a perfect moral compass and he just seemed to give up at that at the end of this season. I, I'll be honest, even when we were watching the last episode, I almost expected it to be like a fever dream or something. I really did. <laughs> you know, see, yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just like he had been poisoned by something because obviously they introduced Mariah's daughter, Tilda, who was, you know, she oh, yeah. had all these medicinal herbs and she had all these sort of um, different things that maybe normal medicine hadn't really had exposure to. And I almost was expecting it to be a fever dream. Like this was... Luke's biggest fear for how it, it's the only way he can bring peace to Harlem or something like that. And like, see when they did the little obvious sort of nod to the Godfather where Missy steps outside of his office and then she looks in and they close the door over. And I was just like, this is not reality. This this can't be real. This is a fever dream or something. But, you know, where they left it was, was fine as long as they could have explored it further. But uh, unfortunately as we all know the netflix shows are not scheduled to continue in any way and this this was a frustrating ending for me the same way constantine was because that's another show i thought had a great season but left it on a cliffhanger and never went any further unfortunately so um, what do you have left then so the next one i'll look forward to talking certainly to keith about uh our next one is iron fist season two uh what are your general thoughts on it keith um, I thought it was a much stronger series than season one, um, but uh, again, a frustrating end because it really picked up. You know, it really uh, by the end of the series, you were like, "Oh, I'm really, I'd be really looking forward to seeing where this is going." But you know, they start uh, they start dipping their toes into uh, the Ed Brubaker side of stuff, uh, the Immortal Iron Fist storyline, that sort of thing. So. They, they they really found their feet, and I think he had started to find his feet as the Iron Fist, uh, and Danny Rand and that. And it was uh, because he was a he was a controversial choice, and you know the, the problems that they faced in the first season, where you know this guy, yeah, I mean I didn't know, I hadn't watched, um, I didn't realize he was in Game of Thrones or anything like that. But um, the actor had had something like two weeks of of martial arts training before. You know, they started season one, so they really they sort of avoided fights and the the fights. He was he was constantly getting beaten, um, which could explain be explained by his the the, the lack of connection to his chi and to 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 Kun Lun. But it just seems silly where you have, you know, the the world's greatest martial artist just got the crap kicked out of him <laughs> continuously. Yeah, you know, yeah. So it was just so that was just. That sort of wasn't what people wanted to see when they got an Iron Fist TV show. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. Um, well, season two picked up a wee bit, you know, from that. So I, I mean, I really enjoyed season two of Luke Cage, as you said. Luke Cage, season one, season one, the back half and the front half could have been two separate seasons, really. Yeah. You know? Um, but season two was a massive was a massive improvement, and uh, and that I still have to watch. I think I still have to watch. Jessica Jones got season three. It did, yeah. It's the last season of all of them. So we've been watching them in order. So as I say, we just finished Luke Cage season two. The next is Iron Fist season two. Then it's Punisher season two, Daredevil season three. And then it all finishes with Jessica Jones season three. Mm, I think I have the last season of Daredevil and the last season of Jessica Jones to watch. I can't remember if I've watched the second season of Punisher or not. I think I have. Um, couple of days, was... Matt. Couple of days. Well, it's yeah, easy. It's probably easy to get confused with Punisher because Daredevil season two was as much a Punisher season as it was a Daredevil season. So right. uh, it was it was almost like That's a team right. up season sort of thing. What I will say for Luke Cage season two and just it it bodes well for Iron Fist season two as well is that uh, I thought one of the best episodes of Luke Cage season two was the team up episode with Danny and Luke. I thought yep. they played off mm-hmm. each other really well. I thought the actor seemed a lot more confident in his role. But they did yep. do, they did do one joke which I absolutely thought was brilliant. Um one of the big sort of complaints about season one was every single time Danny met someone, he was like, I'm Danny Rand, I studied in Kowlong and I did this <laughs> and blah blah blah. And there's a part in it where they shake down a, a guy in a drug in a, a pipe store. And uh, Luke's walking off, and one of the guys says to Danny, "Who are you?" Anyway, and he goes, "I am Danny Rand." I am, and he literally just starts his diatribe, and uh, Luke goes, "We don't have time for this. Come on." <laughs> so I thought it was a nice wee nod to how ridiculous the amount of times he said it in season one. Yeah, so, there was so, a couple of wee, uh, there was a couple of wee nods uh, in that episode as well to the whole heroes for hire thing, you know. So yeah, his uh, his unofficial sort of advertising agent looks unofficial agent was like oh power man and iron fist that has a good ring to it yeah 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 you know, so so, so yeah really enjoyed it really really like digging back into that so yeah we'll probably start iron fist i would say tomorrow uh outside yeah. of that army and pleasure has been ozark which we've talked about before and we'll not talk about much here but uh i think it was keith first mentioned it to me of don't rush through it just ration it because it's so good and yeah we've We've managed to keep a couple of episodes back. Yeah, I think we've got about three left, I think, so... Yeah. Three left, mm-hmm. I believe you've five left, Keith? Yeah, I've got about five left. We're, we're sort of savouring it as well. Uh, it's uh, it's very good, but you've also... Uh, very, very tense show. Very tense show. And I know, Roddy, you've finished it, so... Uh, less said, easier meant it, I think. I just gobbled it all up, to be honest. Um, I love... <laughs> I love the show. Um... No comments, no further comments on this. But I will see when we get to talk about it. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well, you'll be waiting at least um, another five or six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing then, Alan, had got uh, had got me on to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You've been talking about it, I think, more or less since I met you. So I'm going to give it a wee whirl. And, uh, so it only took very, two and a half years show. to wear you down then, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just a matter of getting the time in my schedule. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And uh, it, it turns out a lockdown pandemic gives you that time. <laughs> you know? We've just been waiting all this time for a pandemic, I tell you. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's such, such a good show. Um, and then yeah just I think one last thing worth talking about certainly based on our our love for the publisher certainly on this podcast and in store 
Uh, there was news a couple of days ago that Boom has Boom Studios have signed a first look deal with Netflix. Uh, Netflix are starting to pick up a lot of comic booky stuff. I mean, Netflix obviously signed an exclusive deal with Mark Miller not too long ago for his Miller World catalog. Um, they did have obviously the Marvel shows we just discussed there quickly. They used to have those, but obviously with Disney Plus coming on board, those are have come to an end. But but with Boom, I think that's really really exciting. There's there's some wonderful properties there for them to them to develop. I would say. Uh, I'll just go around the around the table, so to speak, and say if you can only pick one, what would it be? Uh, what would your choice be for a, a boom real time series, Vicky? Somebody's killing the children. Sorry. Somebody's killing the children. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Keith? Uh, probably be probably be once in future. Once in future, very sound pick. Roddy? All right. I'll go for Strange Skies over East Berlin. Oh, what about you, Alan? Uh, for me, I would love to see an animated version of Folklords. I, yep. I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to see it in live action, I think. I think it's so fantastical. I think a really good animated show. I think is and and it would be an all ages thing as well. I think with folklords, I think mm. I think once in future you could certainly do all ages as well. Uh, uh, but whereas obviously strange skies and something that's killing the children would be more adult orientated. Fair, but oh, yeah. but I do wonder if this means they'll get um some of Boom's licenses as well. Obviously, Boom are doing Power Rangers, for example. So I wonder if that'll yeah. factor into in any way, or if that's all the licenses, a... don't they? They have Buffy and loads of other stuff as well. Yeah, that's good. Firefly, Firefly. <laughs> the petition to get Firefly back starts here. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it's a bit of an interesting one. I think it's. I do want to get excited, but even the way you were talking there about, I was like, oh yeah, the Marvel, all that Marvel stuff. Um, you almost you don't wanna. I don't know, like flood the market with all that. I'm a bit wary of Netflix stuff, you know, the cancelled after three seasons kind of thing. But um, it's a great, hopefully, a really great step for comics. But you know, like a little, I want to be a little bit tentative about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that seems fair. I mean, they do have a, we do have a subscription services in general have that have that weird model where, you know, they. The whole thing is about attracting people to the to the service, and you know, once a show has run two seasons, no one's going to jump onto it. So therefore, it's not attracting people. So therefore, they go, well, that's that's enough of that then. Let's start something new. So rather than investing in long and long seasons of things or in long and multiple seasons, they'll they'll tend to let things go and start something new. So uh, I, I I can see I can see the problem there. You know, um, the other thing that uh, popped up there the other week with Netflix was. Uh, was uh, Bone Rider Jeff Smith's little tweet. Oh, yes, that's uh, going ahead, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, just reminding everybody that Netflix has secured the rights to his his, his whimsical fantasy epic. And uh, they're they're going ahead with an animated version of the of the property. So um, Nice. I still got to read that. Oh, yeah, you do. You do. Yes, you do. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm on Keith's side now. <laughs> I, I keep trying to talk Vicky into reading it, but uh, I think that? I think she looks at the sheer size of it and goes, "Nope." Oh, oh I think I think I think it is absolutely right on Vicky Street. It absolutely is. I wholeheartedly agree. wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. So I'm, I might just have to sit her down one day and just say, "Look, just sit and re read the first hundred pages. If you're not digging it, I'll never mention it again." But 
Um, cause I was, this, I was the same, you know, you look at that sheer size of it, but my first sit through reading, I think was 300 pages plus. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to that. I'll, and obviously Jeff Smith's involved with this as well in some, some capacity. Uh, so you'd like to think it'll remain very, very true to it. So, uh, yeah. Um, cool. Anything else you guys want to chat about or shall we move on to some previews? Well, what have you been, uh, what have y'all been reading in lockdown? So, uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I actually decided to take a small break from the comic reading just because I'd finished my pull list. So I decided lockdown was a good time to try and actually read a full prose novel again. But of course I couldn't take the full dive in. So I actually got, um, one of Tom Keane's first books. It's called A Once Crowded Sky. And it is superhero related. Uh, I'm waiting on the day that it actually gets turned into a comic, to be honest, because it it is a bit of a love letter to the medium. It's primarily about a world in which superheroes exist. And there is one guy who is leading them all. He's essentially the Superman character of the of the piece. And to defeat this invading evil, he needs to take all the powers of all the superheroes in the world to have enough power to defeat this evil. And they all willingly give it up except for one person who decides not to help. And uh, he's then left to be the only superhero in a world in which there's a, a, a large percentage of the population used to know what it was like to have powers, but they all gave them up. So uh, it's been good so far. It's about 300 pages. I'm about sort of 80 or 90 pages in so far. So uh, that's currently what I'm reading anyway. Um, was, that, uh, was that not sort of like the plot of Heroes? Um... I suppose there's certain elements to it, yeah, because you had Peter Petrelli in it, didn't you? And he was able to absorb other heroes' parts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you might you might be onto something there, but but yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a good read so far. So uh, yeah, I believe what was the last thing you read then, Vicky? Halloween. I finished Halloween. I got. I finally finished that. So I know I'm I'm working on her during this quarantine, reading all that DC <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so I finished that. The phone right there. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Th- I think she's just waiting on getting her saga books back for a reread at this point. To be honest, well, I'm not reading that until I know it's coming back. <laughs> that was the first thing I did as soon as I found the solicitations. I went through to Image, flicking through, going, "Why are you not here? Why are you not coming back?" How about yourself, Riley? What's the last thing you read through? Saga. Well, I've um the last comic thing I read was Saga, which. I'm- I haven't read any comics since then because, I mean, it's one of the greatest things I've ever read. So I don't know where else to go from there. <laughs> but um, I've been reading a few books, actually. I've been getting back into, like, reading uh, prose. Um, so I was reading one called The Stationery Shop of Tehran, which is about a, a student who's who lives in Tehran, and she meets this... Um, this young kind-hearted guy in a stationery shop while uh, Tehran is basically in 1953 going through a lot of political upheaval. It's been really good so far and I've also been going through um, the, I was going to say the purple ones, the, it's the beautiful ones by Prince. Um, it's sort of like a, somewhat of a scrapbook combination of essays and the biography at the same time it's got loads of like personal photos and uh like lyric sheets and stuff about prince so it's been awesome so far it's one of the best things i've read in a long time nice what about yourself keith um let me see i finished off my, my pull list a fairly while ago so 
Um, I have been uh, rereading some some older stuff. Um, I uh, I managed to get uh, to get a read at the uh, finally. Roddy and I have been chatting for ages about about trying to find a way into the Mike Mignola's you know Hellboy universe. Uh, so I got a hold of volume one of uh, of Hellboy and read through it. So really really enjoyed it. Very very Lovecraftian overtones, uh, which was nice. Go um, flip. Sorry, I forgot to <laughs> I forgot to say I also read that. <laughs> oh, did you? So yeah, I read I read that in between saga, um, but it didn't feel like I was reading it because it was on uh, Comicsology. Ah uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, very strange experience. Yeah, that's right. Um, I uh, reread a classic uh, Marvel story arc that uh, that I think we're maybe going to talk about a wee bit later. Um, I have started Wade and Samney's Black Widow. Nice. As well. And I've got two uh, to read, and I've got uh, the first volume of Why the Last Man to Read, uh, thanks to wow. Alan. And as well as that, I've been getting back into to role playing on Dungeons and Dragons. So I was uh, devouring the, the latest fifth edition rule books and, uh, and uh, sort of some other books, bits and pieces to try and, and put together a word for my players to play in. So, uh, so yeah, plenty. Uh, Plenty, plenty of reading going on. Out of interest, when you're playing uh, your RPGs with uh, your friends on Discord and all the rest, what sort of looks is Bruna giving you out of pure interest? <laughs> Normally she's in a different room, but uh, <laughs> yeah, she definitely passed some comments. She definitely passed some comments. Because so, yeah. it, it'd, it'd be one thing to see like a group of four or five people sitting around a table playing it and this and that, but just to see one person play it where you can't hear the responses of, of what they're saying back to you, I just, I find that would be quite fascinating. Yeah, probably would be a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a sociological study, all right. Oh, dear. <laughs> um yeah yep cool well sure let's have a wee spy through the previews books then so uh the one thing that diamond were good enough to do was give free copy free digital copies out of the uh april previews book uh what this means is we were allowed then as comic stores to share these so we've put these out through our social media channels you'll find them on our facebook page you'll find them on our twitter page instagram we we tried to put them out everywhere so it allowed everyone a chance to look through the, the previews books, which is normally something they would charge for. So uh, it was nice that they're doing their best to keep everybody updated with what is coming out. Um, I mean, looking through the books, we obviously anyone who's listened to this before knows I'm mainly a DC guy. Keith's mainly a Marvel guy. Keith's mainly an indie guy. We do read a bit of everything, but we do focus on those three. So we always like to get a general overview of what the books were like um how is that in the book looking Roddy? yeah it's looking interesting well obviously there is the caveat of these will come out in june but we think they'll come out regardless whether it's june or beyond right oh yeah i mean again again it's just my my guess but i would imagine that everything is just on hold basically and these will all yeah. just fall into line uh, down the line. I mean, all these books would be pretty much completed anyway. So, yeah, um, for me, um, the indie section looked really interesting. There wasn't any, like, sort of, you know, groundbreaking big, big creators launching number ones. I thought there was a lot of sort of maybe low-key number ones. Um, 
there's a lot of really good looking stuff from Image and Boom as well. But I was kind of drawn to Dynamite actually for this this one. There's a big relaunch that they're doing with um, sort of like one of the uh, the great comic book characters. So I'll talk about that a wee bit later. Um, but yeah, it sort of looks like for me. I don't want to sound like a negative thing, but it almost sounds like a an as you were month for all the indie stuff. Which is never a negative thing, you know, it, but it just it sort of seemed like a little quiet, you know, keep it rolling over kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's pretty spot on, I think. Uh, I did notice a few good looking trades certainly being solicited. A lot of stuff we've sort of talked about and enjoyed in the last few months. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I would I would agree that uh, certainly with Image, there is one pretty big number one I'm really looking forward to. I know Vicky is as well, but uh we'll we'll certainly get to that a little down the line uh with the dc book uh i have to say this is a, this looked like it was going to be a really big month for dc they're rolling out some big big guns uh proper prestige event titles titles that either have been looked forward to for a massive amount of time or sequels to massive selling ones from last year so we'll we'll certainly get to those uh again a couple of interesting trades as well so i think the dc month is pretty strong i think certainly looking at the pool lists based on what people have signed up for this month i think these for me anyway certainly from a store point of view i think dc is the clear winner this month in terms of big massive prestige number ones that a lot of people are excited for um and then how about marvel then keith well, I think uh, I think Marvel's just decided to have a wee bit of a quiet one just to give DC a chance. Oh, um, I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's kind of a it's kind of an odd one um, for Marvel this month. Uh, you know, there's a lot there's a lot going on, but there's there's nothing in the way of there's not really a lot in the way of starters or or sort of jumping on points. So there is a there is a couple of new series starting. We'll discuss those. A wee bit later, but for the most part, we're you know we're in the the last third of Empire, um, which hasn't started yet. Should have started by now. Um, so we'll be on on issues. Uh, I think issue four and five of of Empire, which is a six issue mini series, and then you know all of the all of the tie-ins. Uh, you know, Squadron Supreme, Captain America, Storm Ranger, X Men, Thor. Um, will be you know part way through as well, so you know there's nothing really jump money there. Um, the X Men stuff and so forth. Um, so there's nothing really worth. I mean, you know, all the Avengers books, the Fantastic Four books are, are tying into that. Um, you know the the the, the Hickman verse. You know the Hickman X verse sort of continues. We've got um a couple of new ones. You know that are three or four issues in. Children of the Atom and X Factor and Hellions uh, and Cable. Um, Hickman's doing this line of giant size X-Men uh, and every issue is written by him it's drawn by a different a different artist and he's had uh, Jean Grey and Emma Frost and uh, Nightcrawlers on the way out and uh, this month we have Storm and that's going to be Hickman along with uh, Russell Dodderman who is as you know uh, Jason Oren's long time uh, on War the, of the Realms was Dodderman wasn't it? War the, yep absolutely um, there's a Marvel Tales Captain Britain number one. So um, Captain Britain has become a big a big player in Excalibur and different things, um, in, in, in uh, the Dawn of the X stuff. And so this is, uh, I think it's a reprint, mostly reprints. Um, 
maybe one original story by Chris Claremont. So uh, Captain Britain's always been an interesting sort of a sort of a hero throughout, you know, since his, his launch in the in the early seventies. So uh, that's an interesting one. Um, what else is uh, is jumping out? Um, all of the the Marvels stuff, you know, the Marvels, Marvel X, Marvel, Marvel snapshots. They're all continuing. I think this month, uh, Marvels Marvels X finishes. That's the prelude to Earth X, uh, which I believe you were reading, Roddy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It so like a lifetime ago, we read that. Um, yeah, but I think it was about a month ago. Finished that up. Fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And what else? There's a strange thing called, it's called Infinite Destinies, and it seems to be running through all the annuals, the Iron Man annual, Captain America annual, Thor annual, Black Cat annual, Avengers annual, Black Panther annual, Guardians of the Galaxy annual, and Spider-Man annual. It seems, it seems strange. It's one of those big crossover, but it's not really. It says the Infinity Stones are destined to turn both new and iconic characters, seek to wield them, leading to a titanic clash of the an Infinite Destinies, which will lay the groundwork for future stories reshaping the Marvel Universe but they did one of these not so long ago that ran across four months and I didn't I didn't really touch it and it really hasn't impacted anything that was, um, uh, was that Acts of Evil was it? something along those lines Alan yeah yeah. yeah so they seem to be doing this through three annuals on a semi-regular basis now so uh, I haven't really paid them a lot of attention I see Silver Surfer Black has a director's cut yeah definitely something to look forward to there mm-hmm um, that's Donny Cates and, uh, and Trad Moore's book. Uh, there's some some of the kids stuff, you know, the you know the younger readers stuff. Uh, Outlawed continues. Um, Iron Man 2020 comes to conclusion. Uh, that pretty much covers it. I think Amazing Spider-Man will be in the in the core of the Sins Rising. So as I say, there's there's plenty going on, but there's no real starting points, jumping on points. Um, you know, uh, Donny Cates Venom is telling us that Null is coming. We've been looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, so that 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 sort of that sort of covers Marvel. Um, you know, in the main there. I don't think we need to talk about Marvel anymore after that. I think that pretty much covers <laughs> the entire book. <laughs> um, Not quite. But yeah, I mean, what what we always like to do is we like to try and sort of pull it all down to maybe five picks each each month. Uh, we just like to try and pick out what we think certainly are are the titles that are most worth your money. Uh, it can be from any any publisher at all. Uh, we try to you know showcase as much uh, variety as possible. Uh, with that being said, I am going to start, and of course it is a DC title, uh, just as I'm talking about variety. But, but yeah, as I say, there was there was two big ones for DC this month. What we always do is we'll pick four first of all, and then we'll always pick one that is the absolute pick of the month. Uh, for me, it was between two DC titles for pick of the month, and this one just narrowly missed out. But uh, you should still absolutely jump on this. So this is going to be Deceased Dead Planet number one. So this is going to be the official sequel to uh, last year's runaway success that was Deceased. I mean, Deceased, the the first uh, volume of that was consistently in the top five selling comics every single time it came out. Uh, it was written by Tom Taylor, again, another, another favorite of the show. Uh, art by Trevor Hersing as well. Uh, so Deceased was the one that was essentially Marvel Zombies, but in the DC Universe, or Walking Dead in the DC Universe. Uh, the first volume was fantastic. Uh, if you listen to our last reviews podcast, you'll certainly know that I hold the miniseries Deceased Unkillables in very high, high esteem so far. It's sort of the linking series, and then this is the, the uh, official sequel to it. 
Uh, what's interesting about this is this is actually going to be set years after the first deceased, which I really like that idea. Deceased sort of ended in a way where it was sort of going to be the next generation of heroes taking over. So you had Damien taking over as Batman. You know, you had Jonathan Kent taking over as Superman. So this is going to be set years later when they've been in those roles for a while. Uh, front cover has Superman, Batman, Constantine, Swamp Thing on there. Uh, new Wonder Woman as well. So uh, this is the it's the original team back again. It's going to be a six issue mini series. Uh, first pa- uh, first issue I should say is going to be an extra size first issue at forty pages as well. Uh, yeah, really can't wait for this. Uh, as I said, it was very very close to being my pick of the month, but it it just missed out just because of the sheer amount of time i've been waiting for the other ones so uh so uh that's my first pick anyway which is deceased dead planet number one how uh, many issues is that series alan that's going to be six issues again same as the first deceased okay so uh yeah six issue mini and again as we always say follow creators as much as stories and tom taylor continuing and this is is great news i think so so yeah deceased dead planet uh how about yourself roddy what was your first pick Cool. Well, I'm going for IDW and I am going for G.I. Joe, a real American hero, complete silence. So don't know if there's many G.I. Joe fans that listen to this. I thought you were talking about our reaction to your pick there when you said complete silence. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm I'm with you, Ronnie. I'm with you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so this one, it's sort of like a compilation almost um if many people don't know um larry hammer decided to introduce uh in issue 21 of the snake eyes marvel or not snake eyes the gi joe marvel run um in the 1980s issue 21 was pretty much a little bit of a milestone because it was a silent comic so there was no word balloons at all the entire story was told through action and the art and the artist was steve lea lola lea loha um fantastic artist but yeah it's for me it's this one and then they reimagined it in 2008 um so it's a really it's a really interesting issue and certainly silent comics is maybe more a i think it's more a european sort of art form um i know there's a book by mobius called arzak which is worth Hunt the Night, that was in 1975. Um, it's really, really good. And then I think there's an argument to be made that The Snowman by Raymond Briggs is a silent comic. Um, I think so, anyway. I'll have yeah. to double-check it. But um, this one, certainly, I don't know if it's ever really got its due for doing what it did to the industry. I'm sure like there was little pockets here and there but certainly this one was really interesting it's really interesting for the comic industry but also because of what happens within the gi joe sort of lore i believe it's the first introduction of storm shadow and i think um basically tells the story of snake eyes trying to infiltrate this cobra base to save scarlet and you're introduced to storm shadow and all these sort of red ninjas that have to stop him so really interesting this really interesting seeing how the um the two silent issues are put together um because i've never read the the later one in 2008 when larry hama was working for idw working on the their 
their dual run. So yeah, looking really looking forward to it. And um, have you ever read it, Keith? Um, yeah, I've read that. I've read that initial silent. Or was it? No, it was the two thousand eight silent issue, I think. But uh, the, I mean, I guess the point of it is, isn't it, that uh, that Snake Eyes himself never speaks. Yeah, can't speak. Isn't that the case? <laughs> yeah, he's unable to speak. Um, so that's uh, that's the sort of the point of the silence and. Storm Shadow is Snake Eyes' brother, is that right? He's training, but I don't think he's his brother. He's like the his brother is. Yeah. in the clan, and they're trained together for a long time. And it's the first time he realizes who uh, Snake Eyes is. He's like, right. oh, let's see. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're seeing, we sort of saw like a re- re-emergence of silent comics coming out. So it's nice because there was a really good Conan one. That one, yes, called Exodus. So, be good, good to see this one kind of get a bit more attention and a bit of love, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, Rob Liefeld is certainly doing his best to hype it up. I just looked up a a little bit of a little bit of a early advertisement for it, and he's quoted as saying, "One word, icon, Snake Eyes is Wolverine, (laughs) Deadpool, and Spider Man rolled into one character." Wow. Well, um, hype, should, hype uh, train intensifies. Do you know I went for this one, but I think uh, Rob Liefeld also has a GI Joe number one coming out the same month, so that might be why. Yeah, he has. Uh, <laughs> he has Snake Eyes Dead Game, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah and I think yeah. at this point we're sort of gearing up for the uh, Snake Eyes film, which I'm very excited for, and it looks like it isn't going to be sort of pushed back. They're still going for an October release, so. Is that a thing? I didn't even realize that was a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. No trailer, no nothing at the moment, but I think it's all been filmed anyway, so... Cool. Yeah, should be good. Looking forward that'll to be, it. Yeah, that'll be a, a violent <laughs> escapade. <laughs> cool. So that was uh, Roddy's first pick then, which is G.I. Joe Complete Silence uh, by Larry Hammer and Steve Lealola. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, how about yourself, Vicky? What's your first pick you got for us? So, I've gone for a Marvel title. I I struggled with the Marvel book because obviously, like Keith was saying, it's it's a lot of in the middle of series. So, I was struggling to find any sort of picks because otherwise I didn't want to just be all indie titles that I picked. So, um, I went for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, um, the adaptation of obviously the film that was recently released. So um, I've been really digging a lot of the Star Wars comics, so I just thought I'd give this one a go and sort of see where the comic takes the movie instead of like always trusting the movies are the best thing that obviously we found with Last Jedi that it wasn't. So <laughs> <laughs> as Alan has refused to get it, to complete the you're more than welcome to buy it to complete the collection <laughs> if you want but uh yeah not 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 a fan i'll leave it at that but um but rise no, of skywalker was good yeah like obviously um i know darth vader is obviously the main one and the the main star wars um comic i'm reading i've been fantastic like i said i've still got uh the kylo ren comics to catch up on but um if this one is half as good as the others. I'm I'm looking forward to it. So it's written by Jody Hauser, and art is Will Slin. Will Sliney, yeah, Sliner. he did the art for Rise of Kylo Ren as well. So he's an Irishman. He is he's indeed. from Cork, oh. and he's currently uh, 
he's currently undertaking a great initiative on Twitter to get kids drawing over uh, over the, the login period. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he was one of the first guys to really jump out and sort of try and figure out a creative way to keep kids entertained, but interested in comics as well. So uh, yeah, we've we've tried our best to bring attention to that as well and retweeted all that kind of stuff. So. But um, so yeah, it just includes the um, um, veiled story from beyond the outer rim. An old enemy returns. Ray and the resistance set out on a. Um, despite sorry, what's that, Alan? On a desperate. The desperate quest to stop the threat of the final order. Can they succeed where Jedi Master Luke Skywalker himself failed? And what is Kylo Ren's real goal in partnering with the uh, resurrected um, Palpatine, Jodie Hauser, um, and Will um, adapt the landmark Skywalker saga? So, and it's got um, extended and deleted scenes. So it sounds like it's going to be sort of quite in depth. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So just. Sort um, of yeah, I'm loving those. Uh, I'm loving that Star Wars, the originals of the Star Wars book and the, the Star Wars Darth Vader book as well. Um, very, very good stuff. Very Did you good, jump stuff. on um, Kylo Ren, Keith, as well? No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the character. But I was going to say, um, once I've read them, um, I'm sure Stephen wouldn't mind if I passed them along just so you can uh, maybe have a read sweet. of them, just so you can yeah. um, sort of know what's happening with it. And We hope you don't mind, Stephen. I'm sure he won't. He he was quite happy to lend it to me, so I'm pretty sure he would be um willing to pass on for other people to read along. So yeah, um, yeah pretty cool. Yeah, lovely, I'm, lovely. I'm looking forward to that as well. So, um, who's next then, Alan? And then we'll finish off with Keith's first pick. Uh, so my first first pick, uh, despite the chat and the did with with Marvel, I had the same problem, Vicky. You know, finding finding anything to, to jump onto. I mean, I found something, believe me, like, we'll talk about that a wee bit later. But, uh, it was hard, though. But, yeah, but my, my first pick is the 25th issue, the anniversary issue of uh, Rob Kirkman and uh, uh, Lorenzo De Felice's um, Oblivion Song. Uh, so Oblivion Song will be hitting its 25th issue. It kicked off in March 2018. Uh it's the uh, the supernatural science fiction story that, uh, that chronicles Nathan Cole. He's a man that makes, at the time, he was making daily trips to try and rescue those still living in the apocalyptic hellscape of oblivion, which was a part of Philadelphia that was lost in another dimension uh, ten years previous, along with like three hundred thousand inhabitants. So we and it was it was it was one of those books that that. Kirkman launched at the drop of a hat. Didn't really say too much about it. It was a great book. Um, lot didn't he launch it with his with the, the the trade paperback? Well, it was another one. He didn't launch it with the trade per se. He did send out advanced copies to retailers. Oh, yeah. uh, but then he said, you know, we're never going to be delayed with this title. We've already got the first sort of twelve to thirteen issues in the bag. Uh, so he didn't want to, you know, have a title that was delayed or anything like that. It, they yeah. also did a massive print run for it. Because he didn't want the same thing happening with the number one that happened with Walking Dead, where, you know, it's impossible to get now unless you pay sort of big bucks for it. So, mm, that that's that's exactly it. So, so yeah. So twenty fifth issue. Um, there's been a lot of change, a lot of shift, uh, in, in how the story has has gone over twenty five issues. We've seen a, 
a lot of different explorations of what happened and and a lot of uh, explorations of of um, of what this you know this other dimension is um, this oblivion um, and and so forth and so on. So uh, twenty five issues in, start of a new story arc, huge twenty fifth issue, bonus content on new story arc. Nathan Cole's word has changed. Nothing could have prepared him for what has happened, uh, what he's had to do and how it has affected him. Starting now, he embarks on a new journey with a full knowledge of oblivion and what caused the transparency. Fate of the Earth rests in his capable hands. And uh, also in this issue, there's a special origin story uh, drawn by series colorist extraordinaire Annalisa Leon. A um, couple of different covers uh, for this. There's uh, Cover A is the series artist, Lorenzo De Felici. Uh, cover B is uh, David Finch and Annalisa Leone. Cover C, Arthur Adams and Annalisa Leone. And cover D is Charlie Adlard. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, I'll maybe be, uh, maybe be jumping on, on, a, on a, wee, uh, a wee variant there, uh, Alan. Ooh, I'm so, sure that can be arranged. So, yeah, so uh, Oblivion Song. Ronnie, where are you? Uh, third trade. Third trade. So, I think I have to catch up. I think you guys were... Demanding I catch up for the weekly review show. So <laughs> yeah, I think he's determined to get us all on this one before it uh, kicks off into the single issues again. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to get on it before it, it uh, the film comes out. Yeah. Has there been any news on the, on the movie and stuff? I know they really? said that it signed like some sort of first look deal or something, but it didn't. Oh, they've, uh, they, uh, the movie was uh, was optioned and, uh, and paid for and in June, I believe, um, Universal Pictures will produce an Oblivion Song movie with Sean O'Keefe writing the script, um, from what I understand. So it's it continues to move. It's in the works. So, so okay. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Cool. Uh, cool. So that's the, the first round of picks done. So we'll move on to a second one. Um, mine's going to be really quick for this one, simply because this is something I've been looking forward to for ages. Uh, I have a real weakness when it comes to DC's Absolute Editions. Uh, people take the mick out of me in the store, and rightly so for the amount of times I say it. But <laughs> if you buy an Absolute Edition of something, you'll never need to buy another edition of something again. Uh, they're always um, titles that are classic stories. They blow up the artwork. They bind them in really beautiful hardcovers. They have their own um, slip cases. Uh, I see Vicky counting out the amount of absolutes I have. Uh, I'm just a big, big fan of them. And also, if anybody who knows me well enough knows my favorite Batman story of all time is The Dark Knight Returns. So... There, there has been an absolute Dark Knight edition available for a while, but it's like bloody gold dust trying to get your hands on one. Uh, I've checked eBay, I've checked Amazon, I've, I've checked the comic suppliers. You would think being a comic store I could get my bloody hands on this, but they're finally doing a new printing of it, uh, which is going to also have uh, some commentary by Frank Miller in it, uh, look at the plot and pencils, uh, a new introduction, a new cover, all these little bells and whistles, but I don't really care about all that. I just want Dark Knight Returns in a massive edition, even though I've bought Dark Knight Returns probably in about nine different ways at this point. Uh, but I don't care. I will be getting the absolute version of it when it comes out. It's an advanced solicit. It's not actually out until September, uh, on the 9th of September, but I will be getting that the day it comes out. Uh, I may close the store early that day just so I can sit and read it. 
Uh, don't worry, guys. I'll make sure I'll be there. So I think you'll be there. I'll be sitting in the corner, just uh, making noises Weeping. that uh, you know no grown man should really make, but there will be squeals of excitement. So, um, guys, this is what I have to deal with. Uh, I feel for you. <laughs> Thank, thanks. There is. Is there another? I don't think anybody has a pick, but I believe there's a run-in sort of. I don't know if it's an absolute edition, but it's. Um, it's been sort of co-opted by Black Label, I believe, into a new sort of version I saw. I don't know if it's in this previous book now, but... What's that for? Sorry, Ronin? The... Yeah, Ronin, Ronin. Uh, Frank Miller's Samurai movie, story. Yeah. yeah. I've never actually read Ronin. Um, I've been told oh, it's I'll very get good. Get yeah. Yeah, I've been told it's very good. Uh, obviously, that's when Miller was sort of at the peak of his powers. Uh, but I've never actually read it. But uh, yeah, I must get on that at some point. Um but uh, in the meantime, I will very much look forward to getting my hands on Absolute Dark Knight. Yes, uh, not until September, though, although at this rate it'll be next January or something. Most likely. Uh, <laughs> how about yourself, Roddy? Another pick? Uh, so for my next one, I'm going to go for one of the uh, most famous masked crime fighters who didn't actually start in comics, but everyone probably thinks that they did. Um, this is Dynamite comics and they are going for a relaunch of the green hornet uh written by scott lobdell who keith probably knows very well being a, oh. a man and a flash writer as well and currently wrote and, uh, flash forward didn't he scott lobdell yeah but i mean scott lobdell's a an old hand when it comes to when it comes to to, to writing i mean he's had his he's had his hands on x-men and whole lot of other you know everything he's really i mean he's a, a well uh well-known writer throughout the 90s um uh superman and red hood and outlaws and uh, as i say he was he was a a regular in x-men mm. created uh, generation x sorry no. no no it's okay um we've also got anthony marquez on art who uh somebody in the store might know from doing Bamparella and Red Sonja. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to this. Um, I think the last time, I think they tried doing a relaunch with Mark Wade a couple of years ago. Not too sure how that went, but I know, um, Keith, you've been talking about the Lone Ranger books, and it's been really good. So, um, back in the early days of the is the Green Hornet radio show way back when in 1936. He, um, is it Britt Reid? I don't know if you know. He, yeah. The Green Hornet's alter ego is actually the... Is he the nephew of the Lone Ranger in the radio yes, show? That's, yeah. uh, that's how it worked. Um, yeah, there was a, there's definitely a, definitely a link there. Like um, a link there. They really created the first, uh, the first uh, media universe, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, WXYZ, the local Detroit radio station, created the Lone Ranger and Challenge of the Yukon. So there you go. But uh, yeah, this one, this one seems a bit far away from the Lone Ranger. Basically, uh, Green Hornet and Kato have met their fair share of villains over the years. But when an alien infant crashes to Earth, the two heroes must keep him safe from a whole new type of nemesis. Are they prepared to take on a series of dark and deadly enemies willing to stop for nothing to do whatever it takes to save the child? So yeah, sounds pretty interesting and I'm all for sort of older heroes reimagined. That sounds pretty cool. So 
Nice. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember that Green Hornet launch that you talked about from a couple of years ago. Uh, I've never read a lot of it, but through sorting a lot of the comics out, I've come across quite a lot of it in store, and there's some beautiful, beautiful Alex Ross covers to it. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, mm. some like absolute stunners, but uh, it's just never been something I've read an awful lot of Green Hornet. Uh, so, but I really wish looking at the cover of it, I've got it open in front of me here. Lee Weeks is doing the cover, so he has worked with uh, Tom Keane a bit on Batman. He did the Batman Elmer Foot issue. Kind of looking at that cover, I wish he was doing the full issue because I'm a big fan of his art. Yeah, and uh, I mean, famously, the 1960s TV show Bruce Lee co-starred as Kato in his first uh, his first uh, major US role an adult. Yeah. And oh I, wow. Yeah, and I believe. Yeah, so- I believe uh, Kevin Smith has done a, a big run on Green Hornet as well. A lot of people talk very highly of. So yeah. uh, so the character certainly attracts some good talent. And as you say, with Scott Lobdell on, he's, a, he's an old hand at this kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, it could be really interesting actually. So uh, yeah, Green, Green Hornet number one. There was that weird uh, that weird movie back in like 2010, wasn't it, where Seth Rogen played the Green Lantern? Or not the Green Lantern, the Green Hornet. Yeah. Uh, Never watched by it. By Michael Gondry. Yeah, that's the one. That's oh, the one. talk about that's a waste! A film. That's a waste of directorial talent, though. I mean, that man directed Eternal Sunshine of <laughs> Spotless Mind, one of my absolute, oh, one of my absolute <laughs> favorites. Edward Edward James almost was in that, and so was David Harbour. Yep. <laughs> Coming soon, a podcast on Green Hornet the movie. <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Green Hornet number one. Uh, that's Roddy's second pick. Uh, how about yourself, Vicky? I've gone for another Marvel title, but it's actually a it's actually an early solicitation. Um, or well, it says it's going to be shipped in July, but it'll probably be August, September, probably. Um, it's Hawkeye Freefall Trade, um, written by Matthew Rosenberg and art by Otis Schmidt. Um, I've really been really enjoying, obviously, getting the singles, and I think we're up to, is it is it four or five, Alan? I can't quite remember. Uh, it's as far as four at the moment. We're waiting on the last issue to actually come out. So, um, but uh, obviously, we talk about it quite a lot in, in the weekly podcast. I think it gets um, recommended quite a bit. Um, it's just something that's just, it's just fun and a bit of wittiness of um, Clayton, Sorry, Clint. Sorry, um, um, Barton being Rowan as well as um, Hawkeye. So it's sort of, obviously we, we're not sure how the story is actually going at the moment with where it finishes off. But I've been enjoying it. Um, what about yourself, Alan? Yeah, well, Hawkeye Freefall's been just one of the sort of you. You don't want to label it a guilty pleasure because it's better than that. But it's just. Certain comics you got to remember a lot of continuities. You got to remember exactly where you are plot points. There's a lot of spinning plates, so to speak. But with Hawkeye Freefall, it's just one of those ones that, for lack of a better term, you sort of switch your brain off. You just really enjoy the hell out of it. It's fun. It's well written. It's action packed. You usually get a different cameo in each uh, in each issue from a different sort of well established Marvel character. We've had Daredevil in there. We've had Spider Man. For example, we've had Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah, it's it's just one of one of the most outright enjoyable titles of of sort of the last year, I would say. I think we're all reading it, aren't we? Oh yeah, it's great. It's very very good. It's uh, it's a great book. It's it uh, 
yeah, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. it it's interesting how they're depicting Flint in it. Um, you know, I'm actually looking forward. I'm really enjoying this book, but I'm looking forward to seeing a slightly more serious uh, take on Clint as well, because a lot of people forget that that uh, like although Hawkeye doesn't have any powers, he's a bit of a you know he's he's been trained by Captain America and he's very good at what he does. And you know, I think since since uh, Matt Fraction's run, Hawkeye's been a wee bit of a jokey character. Yeah, I think that's fair. Would you say so? A bit, I, I kind of, I am enjoying this, but and it really does. Whenever Clint was first introduced, he was, he was pretending to be a villain. He was, you know, he had a villain aside to him, and he's, he's sort of doing this again, you know, with this, this device that allows him to time travel an hour into the future. He's both Hawkeye and Ronan, uh, and uh, you know, so he is sort of being a villain as well, you know, um, in order to to take down a villain because he's trying to take down the. Um, God, I can't even remember what the villain's called. What is the villain? The cape? No. Um, the hood. The hood. There we go. I knew it was. I knew it was some accoutrement or other. So, so yeah, there's a lot. There's 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 some stuff. I re- but I really love uh, Rosenberg's writing, and uh, it's uh, really interesting. Story. Yeah, cool. So yeah, that was uh, I was saying like through the previous books in general, there are some great trades uh, solicited during this time, as well as that Hawkeye Freefall one that Thor, the first trade, Donny Cates, Nick Klein has been solicited. Uh, things like Undiscovered Country, the trade has been solicited. So so there's a lot of good trades to keep an eye out for, certainly from this month uh, as well as the single issues. Uh, but yeah, getting back to the single issues, I I understand you were able to find a, a Marvel title after all, then Keith. It was indeed heroically. Heroically, uh, it was indeed. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is one I think we'll all be looking. For. Really enjoying Spider-Man at the minute. That'd be fair to say. Yeah, I think so. So this is a new ongoing title uh, called "Non-Stop Spider-Man" by Joe Kelly and uh, Chris Piccolo, uh, which is going to be some Peter Parker from one adventure to the next, and so on. Um, According to the series description, Nonstop Spider-Man will combine the pulse-pounding action Spidey is known for with even more pulse-pounding action. Prepare for the comic book ride of your life featuring Spidey's best villains and his most amazing feats. And uh, Joe Kelly says that uh, Nick Lowe, who is the editor, has a super power. He picks up the phone, he calls me, and he says the exact combination of words that make me want to drop everything and dive headfirst into the Marvel Universe. Last time, it was Spider-Man, Deadpool, Ed McGuinness. No-brainer, yeah, no yes. Uh, this time it was Spider-Man non-stop Chris Bagelow again. Yes. So he says that non-stop Spider-Man is the best of what Marvel Comics can be. Relentless action, epic storytelling, mind-melting art, relevant themes, all grounded by the heart and soul of one of the one of the all-time favorite characters, Spider-Man. Uh, Chris and I want to redline your adrenaline and shatter your hearts, giggling the whole time. Please sign your waivers and gather your safety gear of choice before issue one comes out. I truly can't wait for this. Buckle up, Tigers. So uh, I think that is going to be it's going to be a ride. I think that's so, a lot uh, to live up to. <laughs> it really is. Um, but you know, again, Joe Kelly's been around for a long time. I'll forgive him for his uh, for his association with Deadpool on this occasion. <laughs> um, that's until Deadpool shows that. up in the second issue. <laughs> well, that's that's also a distinct possibility. Uh, main cover is by David Finch. There's a wraparound variant cover by Chris Bacalo. There's a die cut cover by the same. Um, who else have we got on a variant cover by Alex Ross? A virgin variant cover by Alex Ross. A cover by Scotty Young. Yes, you um, can stop looking at me, Vicky. I'll order it for you. 
So yeah, non-stop Spider-Man. So I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward. Yeah, some big shoes to fill with non-stop Spider-Man. I think because, as you say, this is going to be a, a bit of an ongoing and. This is essentially filling the slot left empty by Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which is something we all enjoyed. So yep. uh, so some big shoes to fill. But uh, yeah, good creative team on that. Uh, a hell of a lot of hype, so they must be very confident in how good it is. So, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that looks good. Uh, first issue as well is going to be a 40-pager as well. So deluxe size first nice. issue for that one. Nice. So that's non-stop Spider-Man number one. Uh, so next next choice will be from myself. Uh, might actually sound a little bit like I'm repeating myself as this is something I have recommended before, but this one is actually now starting in earnest. Uh, we already had one Robert Kirkman title uh, mentioned on the podcast so far with Oblivion Song. Uh, this is one called Firepower. Uh, this is written by uh, Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, and uh, it is drawn by one of my personal favorite Marvel artists, which is Chris Samney who did one of my favorite runs on uh, Daredevil, but also the the Black Widow book that Keith's starting to read through now. Uh, really dynamic artist, quite a cartoony style almost. It's it's certainly not a realistic style, so to speak, but it just suits the medium perfectly, I think. And Firepower is one that... It, it, it might suffer a little bit now, actually, because Firepower was originally set up to be a free comic book day title. Uh, you were going to get sort of an issue zero on free comic book day. And that was going to be followed by a prelude graphic novel. And then the series was going to start in earnest with this solicitation here, which is for number one. Uh, we were lucky enough to get the advanced uh, solicit graphic novel of it. I, I dropped it to Keith as well. I'll, I'll certainly drop it to you as well, Roddy, once you're able to uh, come around and pick up a few bits and pieces. But the fir- the book was outstanding. Absolutely brilliant. Mm, oh, it really was. Oh, it was very, very good. It, was, it, it appealed to my... You know martial arts sensibilities um you know the exactly what it was about there was a there was a smidge of bruce lee and a smidge of street fighter and uh, <laughs> <it> was... <laughs> well i mean the 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 basis of the ideas almost ro- rotates around uh, a martial artist who's good enough to wield the firepower which is essentially ryu or ken's fireball so uh i think you're on board for this one roddy <laughs> can i just do a slight detour yeah, I watched Bloodsport on Saturday night. You've, what 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 a film! You have come that to the a, right place. That deserves yeah. a whole separate podcast. <laughs> Just magic of JCVD. What a what a man! I would but I would yeah. I would happily sit down with you, Roddy, and sit and discuss the career of Jean Claude Van Damme. That man was responsible for a lot of my upbringing in terms of watching his movies from the eighties and nineties. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, um but yeah back to uh, i genuinely would be interested in that by the way um but i'll get back yeah. to the comics but yeah firepower so the what was interesting was the graphic novel follows you know uh it's almost a well-worn tale of you know the westerner who wants to pursue sort of this uh eastern myth and is able to and you know hears about this training facility almost or this monastery where he can go and learn these powers and he has to climb all these mountains to get to it and all this kind of stuff so it's you know you can kind of see stuff from influences from iron fist and from you know batman begins and stuff like that but what what interested me was the whole graphic novel is set at this monastery and i really wondered how with it being such a an enclosed 
uh, an enclosed location, how would they make a, an ongoing series out of this? And, and I certainly won't spoil it, but how they ended the graphic was fantastic and just opened up that world so, so much. Uh, so the number one of it was June. June, uh, the little blurb for it is, the one who wields the firepower is destined to save the world. But Owen Johnson has turned his back on that life. He doesn't want the power. He never did. He only wants to spend time with his family. But unseen forces are at work to make that impossible. Uh, absolutely wonderful. I really recommend. I've ordered in quite a lot of the, the graphics already. We do have a few people with it in their pull list. But I've ordered relatively big on that. Because I think this is going to be a big hit. Just pure enjoyment. Uh, great art. Great storytelling. And very different to any other indie title out there at the moment. So it, it stands out as being quite original. Uh, I know Keith enjoyed it pretty much as much as I do. I, I think this will be a future book club. And I mean, it's it's worth uh, it's worth saying that they, yeah, the 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 trade, you know, the initial trade, the the graphic novel, the the OGN rather is a that's a prelude, yeah, in series. You yeah, know, that's so, it. So it. You know, it tells the whole story, and I guess I don't know what the the issue zero is then, Alan. So yeah, the issue zero was just going to be. I I don't know. I have a feeling it might. I would imagine there'll be some new material in it, but I would imagine some of it will be catch-up material as well. I mean, Free Comic Book Day is always about trying to get you interested in a title that you otherwise might not have been interested in. So I would imagine there might be like a brief summation of the graphic novel uh, in that, but also maybe some new material. But I, I can recommend the graphic highly enough. It was uh, absolutely wonderful. Set down, one, one sitting, start to finish. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah, I really recommend jumping on this, guys. This is uh, Fire Part number one. Uh, cool. So how about yourself, Rod? Have you got another one for us? Yeah. So well, sort of continuing on the uh, East meets West theme, I'm going for going to go for Vault Comics this time, and something a little different from Vault. I think this is called Bleed Them Dry, a Ninja Vampire Tale. So I guess if you've ever heard us. Um, speak about vault comics you think very literary meditative that sort of thing very sort of uh, I want to say highbrow but yeah kind of that very literary almost yeah kind of they do sci-fi and fantasy you know this one I think they're aiming for the same sort of thing but with vampires and ninjas so <laughs> it's created by Hiroshi Kozumi and written by Elliot Rahal who's done a lot of stuff for Aftershock like Midnight Fiesta and Hot Lunch Special which sounds interesting and he's also done cult classic for Vault as well um, this one it sounds really interesting it's if you look at the art, it's fantastic. Sort of set in Tokyo in the year 3,333. Um, it says, Earth is in a state of recovery. Vampires are real. And though far less populous, they thrive alongside humans in the Japanese engineered megacity known as Asylum. People have come to understand that some immortals are good, some are bad, and most navigate the world without incident. There is peace until now. Someone is brutally murdering vampires, and Detective Harper Holloway has been assigned the case. To solve it, she'll have to unearth as sorry, to solve it, she'll have to unearth a much deeper truth. The future of humanity has been edited. So yeah, certainly look up. I um I really like the art for this. It looks utterly 
gorgeous. And sort of, yeah, for me, marks a bit of a change from the typical sort of vault uh, style. It's drawn by a guy called Dyke Ruin, so, and colored by Mikel Muerto. So really looking forward to seeing what this is like. Yeah, don't know, I don't know what else to say. Just vampires and ninjas. I mean, yeah, sounds great. What else is there to say? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I think we're all probably sold just on that. Caters to all our needs. Just on that alone. Yeah, the cover's really cool for it as well. Uh, and as you say, just that subtitle and Ninja Vampire Tale, I think that ticks all the boxes, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it seems like, like Ronnie needs a vampire tale in his life because Philadelphia <laughs> is just sort of finishing off, you know, and that was a detective vampire tale. So- and he jumped on Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, he jumped on the Philadelphia <laughs> after the Savage Shores finished. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to tell you something. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're seeing a theme. Seeing a theme. Uh, cool. <laughs> so that was uh, Bleed Them Dry number one. Uh, it doesn't specify how long that'll be, but most of Vault's um, series have been sort of four to five issues. So yeah, I, I would imagine so. it'll be that kind of thing. I mean. With Vault being a, a smaller independent comic label, most series tend to be uh, miniseries. Uh, they don't really tend to be ongoing, so I would say four to five issues for that uh, would be my guess. Uh, cool. So how about yourself, Vicky, a third pick? Yep, I've gone for an image title this time. Um, it's back to one of my favourite characters. Um, or I'll say two that have now been... Uh, sort of put into the same comic again. Um, it's Kickass versus Hitgirl, and it's um, uh, f- one of five. So it's not the usual six, um, and it's not um, Mark Miller that's writing it. It's Steve Niles, and you have to help me out with the artist name here, Alan. So that is Marcelo Frusen. But interestingly enough, it's actually John Romita Jr. Uh, sorry, John Romita is on the colorist. Is that um, underneath that, Alan? Is that what am I looking at? Sorry, because um, it's got so writer is Steve Niles, artist Marcelo Frusin, and then cover artist is John Romita Jr. Oh, okay, so um, obviously that will be the issue. The, the the cover I'll be obviously getting every time is always going to be off our good old pal um, John Romita. Oh. Mina, um, obviously he's my cup of tea, unlike Kaylin. Uh, <laughs> have to get my digs in there. Um, but no, it's um, it's something new. Obviously, it's um, it's Kickass versus Hitgirl. So old allies become enemies when Mindy screeches into Albuquerque to kill the imposter who's been running a gang um, in New Mexico. And as Hitgirl sets out to avenge Dave and stop kick-ass criminals um, operating for good uh, patients fights to survive as the target of the best assassins in the biz and questions whether she could ever kill a child to save her own life so obviously um, kick-ass on its main series is isn't Dave that was um, no it's been taken over by another character hasn't it yeah um it's obviously female, and that's patience, and um, and I've been really digging um, the, the kick-ass with a female character as sort of like the sort of main point of it. But um, obviously, I haven't had a new one for quite a while. Um, I think it was on a break um, when obviously everything was going 
lockdown and I think a new issue was meant to be released soon. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it sort of carries on and then sort of Kick-Ass and Hit-Girl being a t- sort of against each other, whereas they used to be um, um, sort of allies. So it's, it's interesting to see. So Yeah, always a classic c- comic trope to have like two heroes against each other where they'll inevitably end up on the same side by the end of it. Because in the main Kick-Ass story, obviously Patience is um, taking down all the sort of the gang, the rival gangs, and she's a bit like in Luke Cage. She becomes sort of top dog, and she's taking down everybody else, a um, bit like Luke does at the end. Um, so it's kind of seeing how she uses the money for good, but obviously people are not liking the way that she is doing it. So it's quite interesting to see. So I know it's not one that I think I'm the only one that reads Kick-Ass. Uh, we've one or two others in the store who get Kick-Ass and Hit Girl, but it wouldn't be a massive title. But uh, I think with this also, being a, a mini series and a starting point, people might be interested in that. Hit Girl also had a silent issue, I believe. It did. Recently. It did. And it was interesting that because the first time I know Vicky read it, she wasn't overly fussed on it. It was the first one Kevin Smith wrote and it was Hit Girl Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. And the whole first issue was just completely silent. I think you read it in about 45 seconds, but I actually thought it was pretty good. I thought there was a lot of humor to it. It was good. Like After that issue, it was good. But then they went to different areas within um, around the world. And that I remember saying that um, when I went to India, um, I wasn't enjoying it because the art was very sort of scatty. It wasn't really sort of the art that I, I like and I'm used to. It was... Like hit girl, you essentially you not expect, but you like the colors always to be a bit darker because she is so violent and so brutal with it. Um, and but because obviously, like a lot of us, we're compl- I'm a completionist, and I didn't want to sort of jump off it and then go back to it once sort of that run. So I have got a complete set, whether um it will get red again. I'm not 100% sure if it will be too soon. So. This one sounds interesting. Um, Steve Niles wouldn't be my first uh, choice for uh, Hit Girl versus Kick-Ass crossover. Um, you know, he's done 30 Days of Night, yeah, he... so uh, all very gothic, October faction, gothic horror and all that sort of stuff. So be really intrigued to see what that ends up looking like. I think he did do some previous kick-ass stuff, I think. I think he may have taken over. he may have took over from Mark Miller after he relaunched the title. So, But yeah, I know what you mean. Steve Niles, you would almost think, would be more at home in the the last title you recommended, Roddy. So, uh, Mm. Given his uh, his love of horror. So, uh, yeah, cool. So that's kick-ass versus hit-girl, number one of five. Uh, How about yourself, Keith? Uh, Another Marvel title lined up for us, do you? No, I've got a Titan title lined up for you. Um, So this month sees the release of Blade Runner 2019, number nine. Uh, That's an ongoing series, but I don't know. I I understand, is it 12 issues? I get the feeling it might be uh, tapering off at 12, I think. Yeah. So uh, it's written by Michael Green, Mike Johnson, and illustrated by uh, Andre Guinaldo. And the, the story has... Story has been has been has now spanned the the initial book the initial story was set in uh, twenty nineteen, 
Um, and uh, the current story now, despite the fact we're only like six or seven issues in, uh, is now taking place in 2026. So, and it's taking place in the off-world colonies that you always heard about in the Blade Runner, you know, movie. Um, our uh, our hero, uh, Anna Ashina, who is a, a Blade Runner herself, and her charge, Cleo, um, are, are hiding in the off-world colonies as a mother and mother and son uh, sort of pair. And uh, Cleo, the little girl who is uh, masquerading as the son, is uh, masquerading as a trio, trio, as a trader known as the White Rabbit. So um, there's, a, there's a whole... There's a whole story going on, but uh, issue nine will see us uh, will see us returning to uh, returning to the uh, the original, you know, Los Angeles, you know, 2026. So uh, back to the rain soaked dystopic future that uh, we know and love from uh, from Blade Runner. Uh, confrontation that will expose a terrifying conspiracy that could bring down a dynasty. So uh, yeah, always nice to see. Uh, always nice to see. I mean, one of the, the things I really love about Blade Runner is that backdrop. You know, is that is that idea of, of Los Angeles, you know, and that uh, and that cyberpunk future, so um, yeah. cyberpunk future of, of 2019. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I'm just I'm glad they're returning to that. So it's been a it's been a really great uh, story, really lovely character study. Um, Ash is a really interesting character. Uh, she was born with a with a like a, a spine that didn't work um and uh, she ended up being fitted with this spinal brace that you know cybernetic that, that needed to be needs to be recharged and and that and so it's been a real character study um of her and her work as a blade runner and this mission she undertook on earth and uh, and then uh taking her charge um for a specific reason that i'll not go into off world and uh so it's been it's, there's there's a lot of world building going on in the in the blade runner also uh, yeah, really, really enjoying this book, and uh, I'll be looking forward to getting back to that cybernetic Cool. So that is Blade Runner 2019, number nine. Uh, so that was uh, another recommendation from Keith. I mean, I would be interested with Blade Runner, certainly, um, at this point. I know the first trade was four issues, so I think they're splitting them into three trades, essentially. Uh, so it's whether you would want to jump on this, you know, for the last, if it is the last story arc of it's going to go as far as 12. Uh, it would make a lot of sense actually, uh, you know, if they are releasing in, in trades of four, that 12 would be the, 12 would be the last issue. Yeah. Cool. Uh, no worries. Uh, on to another, uh, pick from myself then. Uh, I'd spoken a little bit before about a comic label called AWA, I chatted about it, I think, on the last podcast. The reviews one about all their sort of shared universe titles and all these new number ones. There was The Resistance, there was Hotel, there was Archangel 8 uh, and Red Border. Uh, they have another new title that is being launched. Well, initially solicited for June, I would imagine it'll be a little later, but uh, this one is called Devil's Highway. This is going to be a five-issue miniseries. Uh, again, I think that they're attracting a lot of good talent to this label. This is written by Benjamin Percy, who is doing really, really great work on X-Force at the moment. He also launched Wolverine as well. So he, he's he's certainly doing well with the big two. He wrote Deathstroke for a while there as well. He did a really good arc, Deathstroke versus Batman. But We're looking uh, forward to his Year Zero, aren't we? Yeah, Year yeah, Zero. We're still, wait, still waiting on that to come out. I think that was due for the 25th 
So uh, I think whenever comics start shipping again, I think that'll be in the first the first slate of releases. Uh, that was a zombie title, wasn't it? Zero Year, I think. Yeah, yeah, z- Year Zero or Zero Year or, or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, so as well as doing that one, he's launching this one, Devil's Highway. Uh, it's drawn by an artist, Brent Schoonover, uh, who is mostly well known for Batman sixty six, which. Is an interesting choice simply because that's quite a light, fluffy retro title, uh, whereas this is dark, sort of horror noir. Uh, so the the little blurb for this is Benjamin Percy and Brent Schoonover present a nerve wracking thriller examining murder in the dark underbelly of America's heartland. A young woman with a dark family secret embarks on a quest to hunt down a serial killer that brutally murdered her father, only to discover he is just one piece of a national network of evil that snakes across the country and hides in plain sight. To catch the devil, she must first embrace the darkness within. So yeah, uh, I'm a real sucker for these sort of noirish horror stories. You know, the covers that traditional sort of gas stop in America where there's trucks all lined up and it's pouring with rain and the dark clouds in the background. And I just love all that kind of sort of dark Americana type stuff. So, uh, and I also really enjoy anything that is tends to be a mini series, sort of four or five issues. So uh, yeah, I'll look forward to that. Uh, Devil's Highway number one, uh, and how about yourself, Rod? Another one you want to throw out? Yeah, so I'm gonna go for this. Is a trade paperback. We were talking about, uh, excuse me, talking earlier about how there's a lot of great trades coming out. This one is a series I think we all read, um, we all sort of adored, and it's Strange Skies Over East Berlin by Jeff Loveness and Lethandro Esserin. Yeah, um, I almost think they did this uh, a little bit of a disservice because this this ended ages ago, from what I remember, and we've seen once in future trade come out. We've seen something is killing the children trade, but we've had to wait a little bit of time for this one, which uh, I don't know if there's a reason why, but it certainly feels like a long time between the trade coming and the ending of the actual miniseries but um certainly it's an absolutely stunning book and if you you haven't heard it you haven't bought it after we sort of wax lyrical about it it's a intense sort of spy thriller about set in the cold war in 1973 in east berlin it's about a disillusioned uh, american spy who's seen pretty much everything there is to see um, and he's followed every order but then he's sort of confronted by this uh, inhuman threat that could obliterate all of humanity and it turns into this um, very visceral uh, sort of self-reflective uh, piece it's a really gorgeous book too so it's definitely something worth picking up some real thing vibes too so if that doesn't put you, put you in the right mindset I don't, I don't know what will yeah, I mean, it was very much a favorite of ours, as you say. I mean, we, I think every single uh, review show that came up, we either had it as an honorable mention or a, or a pick of the week. So hopefully if it's taken a bit of time to come out, and again, this is just pure guesswork on my part, but hopefully it's because they're going to add a little bit more material to it, which I would be more than happy with. Uh, yeah, it'll make a great trade. Yeah, I think so. And I think it'll read really well as a trade as well, because I think we'd said once or twice, certainly I had the the likes of this and Butcher of Paris was another one that comes to mind. 
yeah for me they didn't always have big cliffhangers it was just like the story stopped that was like right we've reached our page quota now we stop but i think this will read <laughs> really well in trade so it will so uh yeah I'll, I'll be picking that up i mean i've got the singles but i'll i think I, i'll do like a nice trade so i'll probably pick that up myself as well uh cool so that's the strange guys over east berlin trade paperback uh how about yourself vicky number four for you I've gone with another image title. It's um, one of eight, which is um, a strange number. Um, it's um, called Bliss. It's by written by Sean Lewis and art is by Kathleen Yarsky. Yarsky. Um, you obviously know that name better than I do. <laughs> oh, I've got it open as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you always know I need a bit of help. So this is... Um, Obviously, a new image title. So, um, obviously, I always try and look for new number ones when they come out. And image always tend to have a good few every month, which is always nice to get behind. Um, this is um, apparently it's the team did um, Coyote. Yeah, Coyotes was another uh, image series from 2018. Um, which um, I didn't really... I didn't read that one, so I can't really say what these guys are like. But um, this is going to be a two-arc maxi series. Um, there's, it goes on the basis that there's a drug called Bliss wiping away memories in Feral City. Good-hearted young men, overwhelmed by a deathly sick child and distraught wife, makes a deal to become the personal hitman to free gods, killing those in their way and sending memories down the river of oblivion in exchange for his family's well-being breaking bad meets neil gaiman sandman in the urban fantasy unlike any of any you've ever seen so um just sort of thought it would be quite sort of something a bit different to read and obviously when it goes by the sort of ba uh, breaking bad meets um sandman i thought it could yeah, you're you're hyping quite highly there, to say the least. Uh, sort of one of the defining comic series, along with one of the defining TV shows of the last decade. Uh, again, this is a hype up there with uh, Rob Liefeld and uh, with Nonstop Spider-Man. <laughs> There's some amazing titles coming out this month, isn't there? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that sounds interesting. As you say, it's a bit of a weird number, but just as we were saying there about Blade Runner, these seem to be four-issue story arcs, uh, so this is going to be a two-arc maxi-series. Uh, yeah, uh, Coyotes, I didn't read personally either. I'd heard some decent things about it, but it's one of those few that actually uh, slipped through the cracks, uh, I have to say. The writer, Sean Lewis, he did do a series recently that I really enjoyed called Thumbs, uh, which was about the American government using computer games to sharpen the reflexes of young kids so that they could recruit them into the army because they'd make the best killers. Uh, mm -hmm. It was actually a really, really interesting miniseries, only five issues, I think. Uh, I've got them all upstairs if you want to read them, but uh, it was very, very good, I have to say. Uh, cool. So that was uh, Vicky's fourth pick, which is Bliss number one. And what about yourself, Keith? I've got a DC one for you. Um it's uh, I guess it's the last issue of a, of a maxi series uh, by critically acclaimed best-selling uh, author and uh, and uh, writer of uh, some of our favorites, sorry some of my favorites, uh, Greg Rucka and uh, artist Mike Perkins. And they've teamed up 
on the twelve issue Lois Lane series, which uh, started last year. Um, has been a tale of, of conspiracies and intrigue and murder. Uh, you know, and Lois is on the road and she's out of Metropolis and uh, there's the, the blowback of, uh, of Superman revealing his civilian identity and, and all of that. And, you know, so, that's, so uh, there was the whole, the whole thing where Lois had been filmed kissing Superman prior to him revealing his identity and all of that sort of stuff. So it's, you know, that was, that was causing some problems. And then whenever he revealed his identity, that's further problems. Um, Lois is very much on her own. In fact, she's, uh, she's turned down her husband's help on this despite the threat to her. He's respecting that, and she's hand in hand with uh, with the question. Is her sidekick, her investigative sidekick in this? And uh, so it's been a harrowing journey. She's uncovered threats to her, her husband and a plot that reaches the higher levels of, you know, the highest levels of international power and world leaders and uh, and all of that sort of stuff. It's been it's been a real um, it's been a real political platform for some of Greg Rucker's. Uh, you know, some of Greg Rucker's positions um, and there's been some fantastic tirades uh, in it, some fantastic quotes uh, that over the last, you know, the last 12, 11 issues that we've we've picked up or I've picked up and gone through about truth and about the meaning of democracy and the meaning of truth and those sorts of things. But uh, so, yeah, it's been a real fantastic series so far. This is the final issue. Will Lois solve this mystery or die trying? Uh, her her multiple investigations are coming to an end, and uh, Lois finds herself with the power to change or destroy the lives of everyone involved. Um, this has just been it's just been a great maxi series. It's going to make a great trade paperback. Uh, the story is going to read fantastically in the trade, I think, um, because there's so many nuances that you know that sometimes whenever you're waiting, and it's it's come out on time. Uh, but even whenever you're waiting month to month for an issue, you can lose some of that some of that nuance that uh, that Greg Rucka is very very good at putting into books. Um, so I think this all this is this is issue twelve. Looking forward to it finishing, but I think it will make a fantastic trade. Yeah, uh, you've been picking this up as well, Alan Roddy. Yeah, I was going to say that's one I'm really really looking forward to. Can't wait. Yeah, it's been another one of those ones we've sort of spotlighted quite frequently. Uh, anytime we're doing our reviews and so forth and I think yeah it's it's sometimes good to showcase the single issue of something coming out not necessarily to say you should jump on this and read the end but just to showcase that you know the trade will not be far behind and this is a, maybe a story that doesn't have all the sort of hype of some of the bigger titles but this is brilliant storytelling uh, I, I've been a fan of it the whole way through the series as well um, in the last issue I believe we chatted about it uh, Batman turned up in it and I was saying Mike Perkins really needs to draw like a really dark detective story. It yeah, just suits yeah. his style. Uh Greg Rucka uh, always a great always a great one to follow. And uh Rennie Montoya's question is always a welcome addition, you know, to me. Um and I mean whenever this first started it was it was you that convinced me on it, Alan. I mean I'm I really I haven't noticed it really. I'm not I wouldn't be a huge Lois Lane fan or anything, you know, and to me she's a backup character you know mm -hmm. she's a you know supporting character a good a good character but a supporting character nonetheless uh, and of course then you mentioned the, the team on it and greg rucka of course uh you know old guard uh lazarus um so i thought yeah okay cool and uh, certainly haven't been disappointed yeah it was it, it was released in a, a almost strange way as you say with no fanfare but DC had essentially brought greg rucka on to do this and matt fraction on to do superman's pal jimmy olsen and 
they were two books the the idea i think was to expand the the superman universe a bit and the the two books couldn't be any more polar opposite if they tried but they're both fantastic um jimmy olsen is much more comedic and light-hearted and tongue-in-cheek and whereas this as you say is a real sort of modern day political thriller and yeah i i've been a big fan of both books ever since but yeah it arrived with very little fanfare but i'd, I'd really like to see this be the sort of title that you know grows legs through trade sales and so forth because i think it is definitely one that will read brilliantly as you say in trade and it'll be a nice probably nice deluxe 12 issue trade as well so yeah. uh, i think it's uh, i mean it, i think there's a, there's a point as well remember lois lane first had her own comic it was uh superman's girlfriend lois lane yeah you know uh in the, even in the title whereas this book you know she has effectively said you know she's told him to keep away she's told him to stop listening not to react you know and she's very much you know it's very much her demonstrating her investigative, her investigative skills you know and uh yeah. backed up by by Renny montoya so uh superman's girlfriend lois lane is long gone just lois lane no no it's more like uh superman's uh sorry lois lane's boyfriend superman <laughs> yeah certainly certainly comes across like that in this book very much so you know who wears the trousers in this relationship certainly through this book <laughs> say the least so i'm sure the comic gators are loving it <laughs> uh I, I like that we comment thrown in for a book that's so political heavy that that was good uh yeah so that was lois lane number 12 uh so yeah so those were those were our sort of main picks but we always like to highlight one title specifically uh we you know we call it our, our pick of the month for me as i say deceased was very close to being pick of the month but i have been waiting on this title being solicited for five years uh so of course you know it's a dc title when you've been waiting that long but <laughs> i mean I've been waiting for this ever since the new 52. Now, considering in Rebirth, we have reached 90 plus issues of Flash, 90 plus issues of Batman. It shows you how long we've been waiting. But back in 2015, there was a storyline in Justice League called The Dark Side War. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Even if you don't read the rest of the Justice League run in the new 52, The Dark Side War was brilliant. But in The Dark Side War, there was this... Um, there was this part in it where Batman ends up in the Mobius chair. Now, for anyone unfamiliar with it, the Mobius chair in the DC universe is essentially the all-knowledge chair, for lack of a better better term. You could ask the chair anything, and it will give you the answer 100% accurate. So Batman... You mean, uh, you mean Wally West's chair? Well, that's th this was before all that. Uh, <laughs> but essentially, Batman ended up in the Mobius chair in Justice League. <clears throat> and there's a really great panel actually where he says like i am a god now but he never lets it corrupt him but he is he is able to ask the chair one question and the one question he asks is what is the joker's real name and then you don't hear the answer from the mobius chair but batman looks really shocked so fast forward a few more issues so you already had the wait at this point but fast forward a few more issues and he's talking to another character and he says, you know, the chair told me that there's not one of them. There's three of them. So the chair couldn't give him an answer of what the Joker's real name was because there was actually three of them. So three Jokers. And we're like, oh, this is fantastic. You know, Jeff John's writing, Jason Fay books on art. Can't wait for the next part of this story. Here it is five years later. Uh, I don't even know if it's relevant anymore at this point, but... I, the creative team alone and the preview pages coming out of this and 
and I also admire the the creative team for this for a reason in that Jason Fabuk has consistently went on Twitter. People have been not attacking him, but have been saying like, you know, why is this taking so long? We really want to read this. But he's just been very calm about it. Obviously, Doomsday Clock, we've talked about it ad nauseum. I'm not going to bring it up again, other than to say the release scheduling is something I think for a AAA title should never happen. So Jason Fabuk said, look, I'm getting ahead on this. I want this book to have a real impact. I, it's not being solicited until it's nearly finished. And they have finally solicited it. So as I said, this is Batman Three Jokers number one. This is going to be a three-issue miniseries. It's prestige format, but not black label size format. You'll be happy to know, Keith. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear. Yeah, this glad is so. This is going to be prestige format, forty-eight pages. This is essentially going to be the exact same format that Batman Last Night on Earth was. Uh, so all the preview pages have looked wonderful. The close-up covers of Batman and Joker have looked brilliant. Uh, the blurb for it is, 30 years after Batman the Killing Joke changed comics forever, Three Jokers re-examines the myth of who or what the Joker is and what is at the heart of his eternal battle with Batman. Uh, writer Jeff Johns and Jason Fabuk, the writer-artist team that waged the dark side war in the pages of Justice League, reunite to tell the ultimate story of Batman and the Joker. After years of anticipation, the epic miniseries you've been waiting for is here. Find out why there are three Jokers and what that means for the Dark Knight and the Clown Prince of Crime. It's a mystery unlike ba- any Batman has ever faced. So, yeah, there's there's three previews pages in the uh, in the catalog. One of them I'm delighted to say has a beautiful nine panel structure, uh, which I'm always a fan of. Uh, yeah, everything about this book just screams prestige and quality and. It's the equivalent for me of like a summer blockbuster or something like that, but in the comic industry. So there is a part of me, a little part of me has died inside that they have waited so long to announce this. They finally announced this and it's going to be delayed anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They did all the right things and it's still going to be delayed. Oh, you couldn't make it up. But uh, yeah, the pre-orders for this are already insane. Uh, It's already up at Batman last night on Earth uh, levels for us. And that was our biggest DC title along with Curse of the White Knight for a long time. So I can't recommend this title enough. I think this is going to be fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, Batman Three Jokers, number one. I think even Vicky might read this one. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> We've got love a... that. Uh, love that main cover there. Jason Fabuk covers lovely. Yeah, I mean the the what they're going to be doing is um, the variant idea is actually a pretty good one in this sense, in that because it's three issues, the three main covers are all going to be the three Jokers. So you'll see a different Joker on all three covers, and then the variant covers are going to be the three main Bat Family characters, who I believe in this are going to be Batman, uh, Jason Todd, and Batgirl. So the three variant titles are going to be the three. Bat Family, and then the three main titles will be the three Jokers. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of Facebook's art. I think it's it's a style very similar to, uh, very similar to Gary Frank. I think, um, it's almost got that realism to it. But yeah, it just looks dark and gothic, and you can just tell care and time has went into this. So, really, really looking forward to this. Uh, that's my pick of the month, which is Batman Three Jokers. Uh, or if you look at it in our uh, notes that we make for this podcast that we share, my pick of the month is three jokers in exclamation marks. Uh, sorry, three jokers in capitals with about 35 exclamation marks after. So I'm rather looking forward to this. Uh, I think uh, we're the three jokers, mates, and then Vicky as well. 
<laughs> speak for yourself Let there, Roddy. Speak for yourself. I'm Batman in this scenario. You're the three jokers. Yeah? <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's my choice for the month. Uh, how about yourself, Roddy? What is your pick of the month? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go for this one is an advanced solicit. Apologies for that. but um, I think the, These are all advanced solicits now, Roddy. <laughs> An even more advanced advanced solicit. Um, yeah, so this one, this one's called Black Dog, The Dreams of Paul Nash, and it's coming out from Dark Horse. Now, this is, this is sort of like a new updated edition of this book this book was released um a couple of years ago for the uh world war one centennial um dave mckean was commissioned to create this book which is sort of like a graphic biography of this the famous war artist paul nash who um is very famous surrealist artist um sort of surrealism think salvador dali that sort of style he was very famous. He served in World War One, I, I believe, and I think he actually fought on the Western Front. And then, come World War Two, he was the official war artist. Believe it or not. Um, so this one, I'm really looking forward to it. There's um, Dave McKean's one of my all-time favorite artists. Um, done Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on a Serious Earth one of the greatest books of all time also done uh, all the Sandman covers I think or certainly a lot of them anyway certainly the first releases Um, of them yeah yeah also directed Mirror Mask which is a great film also written by Neil Gaiman and he's also done album covers for Tori Amos, Counting Crows, Toad Dwight Sprocket Um, yeah this sounds amazing if you look up the preview art it's sort of Dave McKean taking on the style of Paul Nash. Um, it doesn't really look like anything by Dave McKean I've ever seen before. Um, it just looks incredible, I believe. Paul Nash, the black dog, is obviously the black dog of depression. I think his mother suffered from a mental illness and she was institutionalized and I think Paul Nash always said that the black dog, that specter sort of haunted him and kept following him. And I certainly think it will appear in this book. So anything sort of mental health, the depiction of mental health always really interests me. Combine that with Dave McKean. Yeah, definitely cannot wait for this. Um, I don't know why it sort of passed me by. I never heard of it until I looked at this, but yeah. Sounds fantastic, and I would do do yourself a favor and just go look at the preview art. And certainly, Paul Nash is definitely someone that's worth researching as well. Cool, sounds really interesting, actually. Uh, tr- trust me to just rave on and on about these two fictional, this fictional clown, no. and you know, guy <laughs> grown up in a bat suit and get all this excitement, and then you're just like, well, actually, we have the uh, World War Two. Uh. surrealism modernism <laughs> but you know Dave McKean's done Batman too so this is so. true <laughs> this is true but in a really great story about Dave McKean and Arkham Asylum I don't know you might know this already anyway but it was a in an interview with Grant Morrison who obviously wrote Arkham Asylum he said Dave McKean flat out refused to draw Robin uh <laughs> 
Graham Morrison had written him into the script, he was going to be like beside Commissioner Gordon on the outside of Arkham, trying to communicate with with Batman. And Dave McKean flat out said, I'm not drawing any fucking child into this book. So, yeah, uh, I always thought that was a pretty good story. Uh, cool. So that was uh, that was Roddy's highbrow pick, shall we say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Black Dog, Dreams of Paul Nash, the uh, trade paperback. Uh, cool. So that is Roddy. How about yourself, Vicky? What is your pick of the month? So I've gone with um, another image title. It's um, Chew. And it's a um, different type of chew to what we're all remembering. Um, this is by John Lehman and Dan Boltwood. So um, it obviously doesn't have the original artist um, Rob Gilroy on on um, like it was in the original chew. Um, but this is... Uh, and, of course, the wonderful farmhand that we all love so much. This is also true. Um, it doesn't say how many issues it is. Um, I'm not sure what MR means in the next... Uh, no, I mean, I have a feeling it's going to be an ongoing, but I'm not 100% sure. So, in the original series, too, you had um, Tony. Um, he was... Um, He's a Chibapath. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> Don't worry, it's a made-up word, so you're, you're all right. <laughs> so, um, Tony could eat an apple and he would know where it was grown, um, what if there was any pesticides used or if what kind of soil. and What everything. the weather was like when it was grown. He could and basically get a psychic impression of it. So, he then went and worked with the FDA, was it? Yeah. Um and so they used him to solve crimes and murders. So he would have to take a bite of um, some like decaying body to yeah. find out how it, the person died and stuff like that. So this is going on the flip side. This is um, Saffron Chi. She is... Alan, this Chibo is a, Pars. So she um, is a, actually a criminal. So... Um, so she can learn secrets from who she eats eats with. So she doesn't actually have to eat some somebody to find out anything about them. She can just eat, be with them. Um, so it says here, um, Saffron Chew is a carapus, is that well? Um, able to learn secrets from who who she eats with. Tony is a cop. Saffron is a criminal. They are brother and sister, and they are on a collision course, spinning out of the multi Eisner award winning New York Times best selling series Chew comes Chew Chew <laughs> a felonious new food noir food noir what a great <laughs> food noir what a great genre right there about cops crooks yeah. cooks and clairvoyance thank you um, so um, obviously we love the original series a lot so we've got the single issues all 60 issues of, and we've got the absolute edition um to start well, we don't well, have it at the moment we don't well we don't have it because um <laughs> keith has borrowed it keith has liberated it um well I, I say he's liberated it we uh keith popped around we to the a, house we did a hostage swap. yeah well, it was interesting what we did was we essentially obviously wanted extra read material for each other and keith was kind enough to, to pop around to the house and wait outside a good three meters away of course uh but I, Vicky and I chose a couple of books for him and then he brought around a couple of books for us so uh, I've got some books some extra um, 
series from Bone to read. I've got Invincible by Robert Kirkman to read. Uh, but when I was recommending stuff to Keith to read, Chew was very high up the list. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts on it. Mm. Well, I'm a huge fan of Farmhand fan, and uh, I love that, that style of art, you know, so that's a good start. Yeah, big time. So, so I mean, anything that goes back to the Chew world, I'm excited for as well. I mean, recently there was a little mini series that just started Outer Darkness Chew, uh, which John Layman's also writing. So, the fact Rob Gilroy's not on art for this does bum me out a little bit, but it does have John Layman, who's one of the original creators and the original writer of Chew on this as well. So, I'll really look forward to this as well. I, I jumped on the Chew initially. I think it was about six issues in, maybe when I started collecting it. And it was always one I look forward to every single month. It always went to the top of the pile. So, uh, yeah, I'll really, really look forward to this as well. So, yep, Vicky's pick of the month, which is Chew number one, which leaves us just with one more to round off. Take it away, Keith. Um, okay, so uh, back to Marvel for me and uh, back to a character who a lot of people maybe don't know. Uh, but will know very, very shortly um, because he's got a major movie coming out in May 2021, and that's Shang-Chi, the Master of Kung Fu. Um, so Shang-Chi uh, was a character who he's been about for a, a fair wee while. Um, he, was, uh, he first appeared in 1973, and I guess was part of that whole yeah, the, the obsession of the Western world with martial arts and Kung Fu you know, with Bruce Lee and whatnot in the 70s. Um, so uh, Kung Fu, or Shang-Chi is, a, is the master of Kung Fu. He's proficient in numerous unarmed and weapon-based Wushu styles. And uh, like like Iron Fist, he has a connection with his own chi uh, and, and so forth and so on. And he's, he's backed and forth uh, across the Marvel Universe over the years, you know, at times being very present and other times disappearing altogether. Um, he was originally created by Steve, Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin. Uh, initially, had his, he was in uh, Marvel Special Edition and then got his own uh, series. He was in Heroes for Hire. He came back more recently with the, the Marvel Now initiative. Um, he featured in Secret Empire. He featured more of the realms. He's been association of the, the agents of Atlas uh, and so forth. But um, as I say, he's going to rise to... Uh, everybody will be hearing about him very shortly because... Uh, He's got his, his solo movie, uh, live-action movie debut called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in 2021 as part of uh, Marvel's, I suppose it'll be Phase 4, won't it? Phase 5? Phase, along those phase lines. 4, I think, yeah. Um, with that title, there's clearly going to be a link to uh, Iron Man and the Mandarin. And in fact, from what I understand is that uh, the Mandarin is going to be reimagined. The Mandarin who we originally saw, we originally saw a version of in Iron Man 3, uh, is going to be reimagined uh, to a more uh, a more fitting form, uh, and is going to be Shang Chi's father. Now, in the comics, Shang Chi's father is a bit of a problematic character. Uh, Shang Chi is the is the son of the the the, the criminal Fu Manchu, and uh, Fu Manchu was a, a product of the whole um, the whole Yellow Peril. Uh, you know, racist stereotype of, of Asians in America at that time and so forth and so on. Um, so they're reimagining that whole thing. But uh, but yeah, um, that's Shang-Chi. And uh, they're bringing back Shang-Chi in what I think is going to be a five-issue limited series. Um, it's written by uh, Jean Lin Yang, 
uh, who is uh, he's a, a lecturer on the subject of graphic novels and comics um, and the use of comics in education. And um, he was the writer of the Avatar of the Last Airbender books for, for Dark Horse. Um, and he, in 2019, he did that Superman Smashes the Clam limited series uh, that, that DC did, if you recall. Yeah, three issues. Um, so. Yeah, and uh, and that. So uh, so this is this is I think this is his first uh, his first work for for Marvel, and it will explore the relationship between Shang Chi and his arch enemy father Zheng Zhu, who was originally the infamous villain Fu Manchu. Um, so it's going to do that. Uh, it says in this series, Shang Chi. Oh, sorry, the sorry, the artists, Kate uh, Ryan, um, who has worked on. Let me see, uh, Spider Man, Spider Verse, Black Cat, Bleed Them Dry, and Ninja Vampire Tale. Roddy. Good linking. And Philip Tan, who has worked on Spawn, Uncanny X Men, Iron Man, um, are the team behind this. Um, new series, Shang-Chi will fight for justice. Uh, his fight for justice will fight with his past. When the hero finds himself pulled back into the fold, no one will be ready for what is unleashed. With a target on his back after revitalization of his father's secret society, the balance of power will shift in an epic tale of secession, family, and betrayal. The basic idea that his father is a supervillain is still there, Yang has said. Uh, Zheng Zhu has been around for a very long time and has other kids besides Shang-Chi. So they're going to explore some of those sibling relationships. Um, Shang-Chi already knows that he has several established siblings. Uh, his half-brother, Moving Shadow, was groomed to be successor, but was killed by, by the father after failing to beat Shang-Chi, and he's got an adopted brother. So, um, so yeah, I think I think this is obviously timed, uh, you know, to to increase Shang-Chi's standing in the Marvel universe ahead of the. The opening of Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, it was originally posited to be a February twelfth opening, so yes, the collection would have been in, been out in time for the movie. But it's now because of the coronavirus has been shifted. I think to May twenty twenty one. So I think this could be uh, this could be a really interesting one. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a, a huge a martial artist and a huge fan of martial arts. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think this will be a little, a little different, um, and uh, and should be with, with that team on it. It should be really interesting. The question then becomes: Who would win in a fight between Shang Chi and the Immortal Iron Fist? Hmm. Uh, between Shang Chi and Iron Fist. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it's happened. I'm not sure if it's happened. No. Between Shang Chi and Iron Fist, Bruce Lee definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, Brad Pitt's stuntman from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood could take down Bruce Lee, so it's all right. <laughs> Actually, you know, whenever they first started talking about this, uh, you know, they started talking about a, a Shang-Chi film or a television series in the 80s, uh -huh. and Brandon Lee was posited to play the role. Well, he, at least he did excel mm -hmm. in one comic book movie, even if it proved fatal with the crew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to jump on this as well. I... I as you say, it's something a little different than the Marvel Universe. It's not really linked to any other titles by the look of it. It's going to be very much its own thing. It's going to be self-contained, five issues. Uh, yeah, I think I'll jump on this as well and, and certainly give it a go for the first first issue or two anyway. Oh, uh, see, yeah, if, see if it grabs me. Um, cool. 
So that brings an end to the April previews book. As we did state earlier, uh, we are not 100% sure when these releases are going to actually come out. Uh, they are, were solicited for a June release, but obviously that's always changing day by day uh, with the way the industry is at the moment. We are still accepting pre-orders for all of the titles, though, so if there is anything that does appeal to you, you know, we'll we'll look after the releases and when they're coming out and all the rest. So just feel free to get in touch and we can certainly update any pull lists or get any titles on there for you uh, as, we, as we work from home at the moment with that. So, uh, yeah, that's the end of April. Uh, I don't know if anybody has anything they want to sign off with. I suppose one thing we might be wise throwing out there is we are going to uh, certainly continue with the podcasts over this period. We do have our next one lined up, which I will let Keith introduce. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of a funny time because obviously this will be our last, until the next preview book comes out, assuming it does, this will be our last previews podcast for a wee while because we'll have nothing to preview. Uh, we don't really have anything to review on a, on a, on a weekly basis, you know, because, uh, I mean, we are reading, but uh, there's nothing coming out. First, nothing new coming out for us to read. So, what we sort of decided to do is maybe have a look at uh, at some stuff that we really enjoy, and uh, so we'll probably be doing uh, a series of book clubs. Um, and the next one we're going to do is uh, our book club for Ed Brubaker's Captain America: Winter Soldier arc um, from two thousand five, uh, and we're going to do that with a, a little bit of a twist because uh, obviously. We uh we we now have a a Winter Soldier movie, so uh, it was Alan's suggestion that we do a little bit of uh, comparison. Was not the case, Alan? Yeah, I like the idea of sort of seeing what they've obviously taken from the comics, uh, whether it's just th- different themes they've taken from them, whether there's specific storylines they've taken, whether it's just characters here and there. I mean, we'll certainly get into it deep in Winter Soldier, but I was struck in terms of. You know, I, I read and watched them both very close together and they are very different stories. So it, I just thought it'd be definitely worth a discussion and uh, worth a bit of a deep dive into. And and I know certainly Brubaker's run is, is one of your personal favourites. So uh, I think that'll be a really, really good discussion. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have a wee bit of a think and, uh, and get some notes down and, uh, and maybe see if we can get that recorded over the next uh, few days. Um, I'm really looking forward to the chat anyway. Yeah, yeah def- me too. Yeah, definitely. Just because uh, I'm looking forward to the opposition between comic book and movie. I think that'll be really interesting because they're both, I think they're both held up as great examples of their respective art forms. So it'll just be a, a really interesting discussion, I think. Uh, so we'll definitely get working on that, and then we'll definitely look at uh, filling up the the time with some other book clubs and maybe movie and comic book comparisons and stuff like that so we'll we'll have a few interesting things as keith says unfortunately the weekly releases have stopped for now so we we obviously can't focus on that but we'd still like to definitely get content out there and hopefully get some interesting stuff out there for people um during this time so yeah definitely keep an eye out for that i'd say the the winter soldier one certainly won't be too far away Mm, definitely looking forward to it i mean uh, i haven't even got outside of the uh the dramatis persona the uh you know, the characters featured in the book, and uh, I think I've already had about five pages of notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, people strap in. That's going to be a long one. 
I think Vicky's going to just be sitting on the sofa for that one with her earphones in. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, Keith and I can talk all night anyway. So we know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you enjoy? Uh, that's, that's coincidence. It's a Marvel title. That's that's all I'm saying. Really? <laughs> I think the idea for it primarily came from, um, just in case anybody doesn't know that listens to us as yeah. well, I know Marvel have um, introduced a bit of an initiative where they've put out a, a bunch of their sort of classic graphic novels for free. It's on Comixology, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I know that Winter Soldier was amongst them. I am I have the, a hard copy at home. I'm sure if Keith doesn't have a hard copy in his, in his flat, he probably has the original issues. It wouldn't surprise me. Back at his... That's the one, yeah. Yeah, yep. back with his collection and, and all the rest. But because this was one that we would all have access to, we thought this would be a good one to do. And, and certainly if, if you do listen to this, you know, go and check out Comixology and, you know get a get a handle on some of those classic stories you know so um so the idea came pretty much from that and then any excuse to rewatch winter soldier is is, is good for me so yeah for me for me yeah. still the pinnacle of the marvel movies i i don't i don't know that you're wrong i don't know that you're it's uh we watched but uh we're in the process of well i'm in the process of rewatching uh the the mcu movies sort of as they were released uh bruno's doing it for the first time um so we had winter soldier last week and guardians of the galaxy last night so uh yeah that's a good that's Anyways, a good twofer that's a good twofer oh, definitely definitely cool so we'll uh we'll maybe draw a line out there as i say just keep an eye out for the the captain america winter soldier one coming soon and we'll continue with the good ideas but uh pleasure catching up with you guys as always always nice yeah, to hear a friendly voice yeah absolutely fantastic to hear everybody's voices <laughs> so uh we will leave it there so thanks for listening and we'll see you soon catch you later good night keep on winging it <laughs>